last Friday, we started looking at the subject of prophetic destiny. Hallelujah. We said that everybody, and if you are very, you know, familiar with the vision of the church, there is an aspect in there that talks about fulfilling a redemptive call. A redemptive call simply means what God redeemed us, what God redeemed us from when we fell, when the enemy attacked humanity, we fell, we sinned. Ephesians 2.10 says that, for we have been redeemed so that we will go back to the works, the good works he had for us from the beginning. So everybody here came with an agenda. Say, I have an agenda. It's important to settle this fact because in this life, I have noticed that people are running in other people's tracks. People are doing things because they see people are doing and have succeeded. It's fine. But you must remember that to be original and authentic, to have fulfillment in life, you need to run in your own track. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And so everybody here is not an accident. And I'm very particular when I'm talking about these things, quite passionate about it. It doesn't matter how you entered this world. You are not an accident. Your father may not have planned it. Your mother may not have planned it, but you are here. What is important is that you have arrived. And on this very big stage called life or earth, God brought you here with a specific assignment. It's important if you want to have fulfillment in this life to recognize and identify what it is that God has wired you with to succeed. Now, sometimes the challenge has been that people are not sure. And last Friday, we looked at it. And then we, we said that the things that you are naturally wired with, intricately wired with, God has deposited things in you that excites you, that turns you on, that makes you go gaga. It doesn't matter what everybody thinks. When that matter is brought up, you are not afraid. You are not afraid. Clearly, David, as a servant to his father and God and to the nation Israel, had wired in him a warrior spirit. What people would see and run away, he saw and confronted. Hallelujah. The things that you are the only one who sees hope in are most likely what God wired you to do. And we looked at how to bring out this. We said that to manifest your prophetic destiny, you need training. You need training, either formal, informal, or inspiration. You remember that? We said all that. And then we talked about the fact that in, 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 in discovering who you are, you shouldn't be also, uh, what do you call it, ignorant of demonic attacks, that the devil can really derail you. This morning, I want to speak, however, on a very important subject. Charismatics are not able to talk about it because people are not sure what it actually entails. And then sometimes preachers ourselves have made it difficult to talk about the subject of fatherhood. But you must understand that nobody just appeared in this world. Everybody came from somewhere. Jesus in the book of John was emphatic on his source. Amen. Says the things that I do is because I see my father doing it. The things that you hear me say is because I hear my father saying it. 
the miracles and all that you see me manifesting is because the Father is in. Oh, the, the Father reveals to me the things that I do and say. Clearly from that teaching of Jesus Christ, he was talking about the relationship that exists between a son and a father or a daughter and a father. And this morning, I want to try and situate this teaching in the context of prophetic destiny. See, we can shout and be excited about it, but you must understand. And we're going to look at two, three cases. We're going to look at the life of Joseph, the life of David, and the life of King Saul. In each of these cases, their identification was because they were about their father's business. In fact, including Jesus himself. So the subject of fatherhood cannot be downplayed. And this morning, we want to look at a few scriptures and settle on what it is so we will make up our minds properly and benefit from it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. We are still talking about fulfilling your prophetic destiny. Fulfilling your prophetic destiny. In fulfilling your prophetic destiny, you need the voice of a father. You need the voice of a father. And in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to show you what the voice of the father does in the life of the believer. People have argued that, well, God is our father, and so we don't need any father anymore. That is why we pray our father who art in heaven. And I've seen people quote a scripture in Matthew, actually, to say that Jesus said we don't need earthly fathers. But that is not what he said. Hallelujah. So in 1 Corinthians 4, 4 15, it says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers. Hmm. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Can you give me the GNT? I want to break it down and then we'll take it from here. He said, for even if you have 10,000 guidance in your Christian life, you have only one father. For in your life, for in your life, in your union with Christ Jesus, I have become your father by bringing the good news to you. So who is your spiritual father? Your spiritual father is the one who points you to your destiny. Paul was telling Timothy that at this time, he said, look, you have had a lot of people who are preaching the word of God. People who are sharing revelations. People who are, but your father is that one who makes you aware of who you are and what your inheritance is. If you are in this commission, WCCI, 
I have become your father because your faith is hinged on the vision which becomes the mission of this commission. Hallelujah. I have made you aware that you are not just saved to go to heaven. That God when he saved you also redeemed that identity he created you with. And allowed you to be birthed here on earth. I made you aware that there is something bigger and greater. I pointed you to Jesus and also pointed you to what his redemption for us means. And so Paul is drawing a clear line between who a guardian or an instructor and a father is. Come on, am I communicating? Don't worry, you will get it soon. Paul is saying that in the life of every believer, you must draw a line between who your guardian is and who your father is. Draw a line. Who is an instructor? And who is your father? Because sometimes that is where the deception comes in. Many of us, we go to a particular church, but we think we are feeding ourselves because of the places, the other places we go to. They are all guidance. They are all instructors. Instructors cannot give you an inheritance. Instructors cannot point you to who you are. It's a father. He said, because I have begotten you in Christ Jesus. I have become your father by bringing the good news to you. And what is the good news? That they were redeemed. That by the resurrection of Christ Jesus, they have hope. So when we talk about who a spiritual father is, and don't worry, I'm going to situate it soon. We are talking about the one who makes you aware of what is in you that you even may not have known. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. And it's important, my brothers and sisters, I've always said in this church, that some of us, our earthly fathers, have not been able to do that. So you don't have to joke with the spiritual parents God brings your way. And an example is King Saul. In his father's house, he was a nobody. I believe that he was just a business owner, a partner with his father's business. He wasn't a king. He didn't even know that there was a mind of God concerning kingship. But when he met kings, when he met the prophet Samuel, he said, come and I will tell you the plans that Jehovah have for you. Any man God uses to nurture you, to discover what God has deposited in you and trains you on how to become that thing is your father. And I believe that this morning as I speak, those who see me as a father are aware. And those who don't also see me, they know. Who is your father? His father called him and said, Saul, pick one servant and let's go. Go and look for my donkeys that are missing. So the man set out in life. And clearly you can see that he was somebody managing his father's business. Unknown to him was the bigger plan. 
What's his prophetic destiny? Can you imagine? All he had known is that I have an inheritance in Christ. I have an inheritance. Oh, ah, when my father is no more there, I'm taking over his business. Or oh, even if my father is there, I have a share in his business. But unknown to him, there was a bigger plan. It took his father, spiritual father, to point him that, look, beyond shepherding donkeys, there is also another form of shepherding called leading human beings, leading a nation. And he took the prophet Samuel to point the, the Saul, Saul, sorry, Saul, who later became King Saul. So, what, what, what is Pastor saying? What is Pastor talking about? We are talking about, I mean, fulfilling my prophetic destiny, and you are talking about the spiritual father. Yes, the correlation is that your spiritual father has the mandate, anointing, and call upon his life to point you to something bigger than you have ever seen in your life. Something bigger, something better. Something glorious. I believe that for lack of spiritual parentage, many people have walked in ordinariness. Many people have been ordinary. Many people. And Paul was saying in the book of 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, that I have begotten you. You have many guidance. People have asked me this question. Oh, pastor, is every man of God a spiritual father? No. Some are guidance. Some are just instructors. I can tell you without a shadow of doubt. But everybody God has called to pioneer a work is a father. Am I preaching this morning? Everybody God has called to pioneer a work is a father. So don't go around calling people my daddy, daddy, daddy. Some are guidance, some are instructors. So by all I have said, I've given you the marks of who a spiritual father is. And from what I have said, I know I'm one. Hallelujah. I have heard some pastors tell me that, well, we never knew we were going to preach. Almost all of you here, my technical team, you never knew you were going to do what you were doing. And that is the role of a father. The presence of a father in your life opens you up for what God has installed for you. That's what I was telling you yesterday that I, I, though there are opportunities for me to talk to Apostle General on phone, I don't do it because, see, his presence alone does something. When I go to him, I don't talk. Even when I'm asked a question, I try to dodge. Because when you sit in the presence of such depth of experience and wealth of ideas, it's not the time to show your little ABC. Shut up and learn. So your spiritual father is the one. And you, you see, it's interesting because I don't know why God deposited so much power and influence in spiritual fathers. Now, let's go over what I said. 
Your spiritual father points you to your destiny. Hallelujah. Jesus, for instance, came on earth, and like I said in the book of June, he talked about my father, my father, my father. But when you look at something that happened in the book of Luke, the Bible says that when they were coming back from one of their worships, he got missing. He was then 12 years old. He got missing. And when they looked for him and saw him, the Bible says they rebuked him. His mother said, my son, why have you put us into this trouble? When Jesus turned, he looked at the father and said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? What was his father's business? For Jesus, it was to seek that which was lost and bring it back to the father. In John chapter 10, he defined verse 10, his commission, his ministry. He said, for the enemy cometh to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That was his father's business. What are, what are the signs that you have a father? What are the signs? Let's talk about a few signs that points to sonship or daughtership. Number one, the sign that you have a father is determined by where your interest lies. You can't call me your father. And in this trying times we are going through, you haven't even found out how is Papa managing? How is Papa coping? There are workers to be paid. We are not meeting regularly. See, this discourse on social media about this is the time for the church to help. I, I, I don't have any qualms with it. But these same people forget that the church also employs people. What did Jesus say? Love your neighbor as your. We have to take care of those within first. We employ people. We have engaged our workers in all kinds of meetings. Trying to let them understand. We will show human face. But they must also show human face. Now granting that you are paid one CD. And I say I'll give you 50 CDs. Or 50 passwords. If I don't get the 50 passwords. Is the agreement anything? Have you found out? How is the church coping? Or. You have that mindset. Well, all this Facebook life, all these meetings. Ah, the government says we should stay at home. The government didn't say we should stay at home. He said we should keep social distance. Sons live for their father's business. That is what consumes them. That is what becomes their priority. So this morning, check yourself. Are you a son? If you are a son, what is the priority of your father or what the priorities of your father are becomes yours as well. Jesus said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? David said to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 34 downwards, he said, when I was keeping my father's sheep, sons concern themselves with their father's business. Sons don't fight their father's business. 
Sons don't make careless statements that affect their father's business. Sons protect their father's business. They see to the progress of their father's business. You don't sit there and say, ah, have I even finished looking after my life? You don't know what you are talking about. Hallelujah. Am I communicating this morning? So the first sign of sonship or daughtership is where your priority lies. Are your priorities the priorities of your father's business? And I say, oh, don't worry. I mean, the church can't wait. Let me go and make money. And that deception, we've all been there before. What is not a priority? When you are blessed, you can never be a blessing to that thing. Though it is even a deception. Maybe we'll get there. Time permits me. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I think it's in Luke chapter 2. Don't you know? Don't you know? So what makes you a son, number one, is, num- number one is your priorities. Are your priorities in line with your father's priority? Or your father is doing A and you are busy doing C. We call it independent spirit. So you seek what your father's priorities are. Number two, you defend your father's interests. That's why Saul was rejected. Because what his spiritual father led him to begin to face and do as his destiny, he abandoned it to please the people. If you are a son to this commission, what have you been protecting? You defend and protect. You defend and protect it. You don't join his, 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 his um, enemies and those who seek to bring him down. Some of you, in your presence, all kinds of sarcastic statements are made about this commission and you look helpless. I'm not saying fight. But let people know that what sustains your life cannot be played with. Me, nobody can come and talk to Apostle General about you. Look, even if you have satellite pictures from Mars, Pluto, Jupiter, take far. I'm not interested. Sometimes it is only sons who don't understand that their positions are envious positions. People envy what you have. And if they think they can't have it, they just destroy it. And they will use you to destroy it. You must defend. Protect your father's vision, your father's interest, your father's business. Look at Jesus. He fought with his life. And no wonder the Bible says in, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, that he said, let this mind be in you, that was, which was also in Christ. But though he was God, he did not consider it. Something to be grasped. Something to be grasped. How did he do it? The Bible says he died even to the point of the death of the cross. 
Why? He was protecting the father's business. What was the father's business? That all might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What are you dying for? I'm busy and this contract is coming up and this business and this, this. Sometimes you know the reason why we struggle is because we are living for nothing. And those who live for nothing get nothing. Live for a cause. David said, look, I'm not going to keep quiet. King Saul, if you people are keeping quiet, I'm not going to keep quiet. This man who defies the armies of the living God, uncircumcised Philistine, I will fight him. When you decide to fight for your father's cause, your father's business or ministry, God will protect you. Don't let people think, tell you that you are fighting. I mean, and sometimes the way they want to talk about loyalty, as if when you are loyal, you are a fool. Are not because the devil knows that loyalty produces some things, produces protection. Show me one person who was loyal to his father's business in the Bible and lost out. But I can show you at least one who was disloyal and he lost out on everything. King Saul, his disloyalty costed him. The father's business should be your priority, you should number two. Protect and guide it. And number three, you should seek the welfare of your father's business, vision, church, whatever. It should be your priority in terms of how well it does. And that calls for the things you do. The role you play. Why do you think David said, I will build a house for God? Because he knew where God picked him from. Hallelujah. He knew that but for God, through the prophet Samuel, he might have died on the desert. He might have remained a shepherd boy, taking care of a few sheep everywhere. But thank God, when you take care of your father's business, he enters into a covenant with you. And I know most of my sons and daughters, you are believing God to break through. Wealth is not a product of hard work. Wealth creation, if you want to be wealthy, if you want to prosper, the genuine ways, I'm not talking about cutting corners and cheating people. If you want to make it, it's a product of covenant. Hallelujah. You must take care of your father's business. I know we are living in interesting times. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that in the last days there will be hard times. We are in hard times. We are in hard times. But hard times doesn't mean we should be self-centered. Sons and daughters take care of their parents. Amen. Listen, I am not by this message. Neither do I believe every man of God who preaches on this subject wants to manipulate you. What we are simply saying is that if you are saying you are a son, there are things that must be seen. There are things. My children, they are students. I take care of them. I pay their school fees. But when it is my birthday, they get me gifts according to their ability. 
if you are a son, you take care of your father's business according to your ability. I don't see where complaining and murmuring comes in. I mean, if this, you have two CDs, give it. You think your father doesn't know? And sometimes we take such offerings and such um, gifts from you, not because we lack. It is because we want to give you an opportunity to prosper. Hallelujah. If you are a son, your father's business becomes your priority. When was the last time you thought about this church? When was the last time you gathered three, four people on your own? Charlie, our generator is going bad. Now with the ACs, we need at least a 30 kV generator. I went to ask who. They say it's $4,000. Charlie, this is how much I have. How much? That is the one we say is thinking about his father's business. Now, how does all of this, how does all of this, my brothers and sisters, helps you in fulfilling your destiny? Three ways. The voice of the father or the role of the father in a son or daughter's life is like being given feathers. Amen. It's like being given feathers. What do feathers do? Number one, they cover. Number two, they protect. Number three, they enable you to fly. You know why you are so where you are? And your mouth is full of complaint. It's because you lack covering. It's because you lack what? Covering. <laughs> See, in First Samuel chapter 17, there is so much when David was, 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 was called by King Saul and said that, I have heard that you said you can fight Saul. What do you mean? He said, yes, I can fight him. Why do you think you can fight him? He said, when I was taking care of my father's business and the lion and the bear came against the sheep, I fought them. And the God who gave me the victory over them will give me this uncircumcised Philistine. Do you see what David was saying? He didn't say I'm a sharpshooter. He didn't say I'm a skillful, uh, what do you call it, warrior. He said, I have a covenant that speaks for me. I have the covering of the father. As long as my interest lies in his interest. As long as I am taking care of what is important to him. And remember, fighting for Israel was protecting God's interest. You need the voice of the fathers because the voice of the fathers are feathers. 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 They give you covering. They help you to fly. Fathers are behind promotion. The Archbishop several times have said his encounter with his late father in the Lord. How he thinks that he was misunderstood and the stance he chose to take 
and the consequences he suffered. If you are a wise son, no matter the challenges you have with your father, you do not disconnect. Because disconnection from fathers is disconnection from fathers. If you disconnect from your father, you have disconnected from your feathers. And remember I said feathers, they give what? Covering. They cover your nakedness. Some of you, my sons and my daughters, you know how I have covered you. Not because I, I partake in your whatever. You know. I've stood with you. Some of you, in ways that if I was the one who had made that error, you would have left church. Let me say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. What you did, if I was the one who did it, you would have left church. But I am covering you. Bringing you up before God. See, in this commission, I have seen things. Sometimes prophesying to people, they look at you and tell you it will not happen. And then when it happens, you run to me. What should I do? I'm telling you what God showed me. The best you can do is, sir, how, I'm not saying come and confess to me. I am not God. But you see, between sons and fathers, there are no secrets. Ah, the person who covers you, when you are not covered, what do you know? When God came into the garden and Adam and Eve were, were naked, do you think he didn't know? He knew. Fathers are feathers. Gives you covering. Gives you a shield. If you see all those uh, beds without hair, Ask them, Akbohi. That's why I see it doesn't pay to be in a church and be guy guy. You are killing yourself. You are shooting yourself. You are shortening your lifespan. I know I have a story of a guy who was not on talking terms with his father. Because his father impregnated another woman beside their mother. And he told us the story. We're in secondary school. Told us. And we're all telling him, Charlie, these things, they happen. Forget. 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 He said no. Ten years ago, I met this guy. He has a wife, but he has children with five other women. Five. Meanwhile, he has a wife. Oh, I reminded him. I reminded you. I said, do you see? If you know the demons that pursue the fathers, when you see them in their weakness, you will start praying for them. Because more likely than not, what your fathers conquer, you will have automatic victory over. Fathers are fathers. Look at Saul, for instance. When the people he was going to rule over rejected him, because of the voice of Samuel, he was still a king. Number two, when God himself rejected him because of his father. See, as long as Samuel was still praying for Saul, God could not sack him. 
So one day in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, God came to Samuel and said, why are you still crying? Literally, I can hear God saying, look, Samuel, you are delaying my work. And if you want to understand why he was so harsh with Saul, these were the reasons. He said, are you still mourning over him? Seeing I have rejected him. God had rejected him, but his father had not given up on him. So he was still in the race. Fathers are ladders. Number two. Some of you, you start rising and you forget about your fathers. You know it yourself. You see how you are struggling. You think life is contact. Abby? You think life is connection. Try it. And I'm not by this saying that I want to blackmail you. No. But that is how God made it. On your own, for the last five years, you've been trying. Where have you reached? I was having a conversation with Eddie Nam about three, four days ago. And we're talking about a particular scenario. I won't talk about it here. See, if you know anything about the history of Israel, there is no way a person can become a king when you are not from royal blood. See, I'm teaching the things I'm teaching because God says he's brought us back on track. It means we must guard against what took us off track. And this fatherhood conference, I'm going to bring it back. We used to do it and I stopped. I'm going to bring it back. It's one of, God said it's one of my major messages he has given me. Have you wondered why Saul stayed for a long time, even though God said he had rejected him? It wasn't because David was not ready. Because you know what God could have done? God could have just brought somebody to take charge until David was ready. But as long as his father was still speaking, God was bound. In 2 Kings, the Bible says that there's a king of the Moabites or Edomites who went to war. And when the war was fiercest against him, he took 700 choicest men. They went to fight. They were still losing. Then he turned and took off his, his son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a sacrifice. And the Bible says suddenly there was anger against Israel and the war ended. Do you know what the father's voice does? The last thing you should do is to annoy your father to say negative things. Fathers are ladders. And interestingly, do you know that ladders has what takes you up and brings you down? It means a father can bring you down or can take you up. Usually when we talk about fathers are ladders, all we think about is up. But that same thing can bring you down. I read Genesis 28. The Bible says, Esau got angry with his parents. And so he married from places he was not supposed to marry from. What did the father do? He said he called Isaac and said, go to your mother's house. See, Isaac was literally set up to succeed by the words of his father. Whose words are supervising you? Whose words? Fathers are like ladders. They are like ladders. 
what you've been dealing with in prayer several times. I remember, let me share this story with you. When we started ministry, oh well, we were suffering all kinds of rebellion. Yesterday, I think I was sharing part of them with you. If one of my friends stood in here and prophesied that rebellion has come to an end, that year, we suffered more rebellion than anything. And then when I met Apostle General, the battles have not ended, but they don't affect me anymore. You know why? Because weapons will hit you where it finds you. When weapons are thrown and you are not there, though they are released, they cannot harm you. My father in the Lord lifted me above. He said, I declare today, any battle against you is against me. I mean, the landlord of Akira, that's the one we are talking about. Speaks without fear. Sometimes I look at him and say, this father of mine, God give me this boldness. My brothers and sisters, fathers are laddies. They can help you climb or they can look at you remain at the bottom. It all depends on how you relate with them. Number three, your next level is in the mouth of your father. They are custodians of promotion. Number three, that's my final part. We'll, we'll talk about this later, maybe later part of the year. Hallelujah. Fathers are custodians of promotion, elevations, and everything. Not guidance. And I want to address you, church members. Don't entertain all this in quotes, prophets and men of God who only pray for people in their homes. Don't entertain them. If they are called, let them start a church. Or let them join a commission. Some of you have become so desperate. Anybody comes to your house and they are talking. Come on. You belong to a, a house. You have parents. Anyhow. Oh, Papa, it will be in your house. Gloria, who can you? Can you call Gloria and say, can Lawson or Sammy call Gloria and say, I want you to go and shop. Voila. Don't entertain them. I've always been saying that, look, your blessings are with your father. Your blessings are always with your father. God will never give what belongs to you to another man. Never. Fathers are custodians of our elevation, promotion, rising, everything. If you want to manifest your prophetic destiny, you need a covenant relationship with a spiritual father. And I said, a spiritual father is the one who points you to that future. You can only see, but can never attain on your own. How do you activate the, the blessing of the fathers over your life? Finally. How do you activate the Father's blessing? 
And when we talk about the Father's blessing, we are talking about the things I've spoken about. He's a feather, he's a ladder, he's a custodian. How do you activate these things? Number one, let your life be pleasing to him. And when I say pleasing, I'm not talking about showing full respect. Oh, Papa. Oh, Papa. It is not the Papa you call me. It's not the Daddy you call me. It is the attitude of your heart. I like that. I have a son. I don't have his family. He knows. Today, he's a whole dealer with Total Ghana Limited. I remember anytime I look at this finger, I remember him. It was one who were coming for a service and one of my seniors. And the guy who even helped him enter the company, he's been dismissed. He spoke to me and said, ah, I heard you have started church. I said, yes, I have started church. He said, wow, you know me, what I can do for you. If you have any one or two boys, bring them. I can employ them at the pump so that they bring your tithe. You see the mindset with which you were employed. And now you get employment and you are thinking of how to live good at the expense of why you were giving the employment. I am not saying don't live good, please. Buy TV, the large one. If I the one you can even enter and show yourself, buy it. Build that big house. Do everything, but don't forget that you have been elevated, promoted, lifted for a purpose. Don't forget that. Because that is the beginning of your downfall. So he said, okay, so I remember I spoke to my late wife. We took this son of ours. We took him to, he started at the pump. He was standing there fetching petrol for people. Today, he said, dealer, tell me, where does this happen? One of these days, I'm going to let him preach and tell the church the story. So that all of us will monitor him. If he's going off, we'll remind him. When David, because of one woman, called Bathsheba, Abi, was it not Bathsheba? The bear she back. Saw the woman and loved the woman. Why did he even see the woman in the first place? Because he was not interested in his father's business. The father's business was that at that time he should have been at war. And he said, ah, I love him. They went for the woman for him. Listen to what God said. That statement scares me as a father and as a child of God. He said, David, when you were nobody, number one, I picked you and made you a king. Number two, when you were leading the sheep in the wilderness, I brought you to the city. Hey! The thing is, only human beings will remind you. God will also remind you. He said, why have you caused the enemy to reproach me? If you needed more wives, you should have told me. Don't say, hey, Pastor, do you see? Do you see? Do you see? So it means that I can have more women. You know, you are not David. 
Because what God was trying to say is that if you had come to me with this desire, I would have made you aware of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. All the troubles, problems in David's life was because he did not recognize and honor his father. Look at what his son did, Absalom. Crazy. Look at what his other son and daughter did. Incest. Crazy. Church, you must recognize, honor, and respect your fathers from your heart first. Not the physical one. Honor includes being careful with your words. You don't speak carelessly. Whether in the person's presence or absence. In fact, it even includes the things you think about. That is even more dangerous. In Genesis chapter 6, when God was passing judgment on the earth, he said, for the imaginations of men are continually what? Evil. It's not what we just do, what you think. And for your information, the things you say is inspired by the things you've been thinking. And Moses and Aaron and Miriam, they spoke against Moses because he had married a stranger. And they said, are you the one who sees? Are you the only one who sees? We do we see? And the Bible says, God heard it. What have you been saying? What has God heard? If you joke with fathers. See, fathers, fatherhood is not per age. Fatherhood is determined by assignment. That's why I'm not yet 50 years old. But I am the father of even people who are above 70. My own mother, she calls me papa. have to be careful. Honor them. Respect them. Don't be careless around them in their presence or out of presence. Don't be careless because it will cost you. Honor them. Reverence them. Reverence your father. So it's not for nothing that the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. It is the only commandment with a promise. It says so that your days will be what? Long on earth. Dishonor shortens life. Dishonor shortens progress. Dishonor shortens prosperity. In fact, dishonor dislocates any processes begun by God. Guard your heart. Fathers, we are human. We will hurt you. Absalom, the reason why he did the things he did was because when his younger brother slept with his half-sister, he expected the father to have acted and, and maybe killed the boy because Israel had laws. But the Bible says when he waited for two full years and his father said nothing, then he took the thing. Look at his end. Look at the end of this boy. Guard against this honor. God against. He saw his father's weakness. See, my father is partial. Look at what his own son. Every day he's preaching judgment and justice. If it was somebody you would have judged. In the thing has happened in your own house and you are careful. Some of us, we think God has anointed us as judges over fathers. Activating the voice, the grace of the fathers over your life. Honor. Walk in honor. 
walk in reverence. Honor us. Honor the fathers. Don't speak evil of them. Not even in your head. Because Numbers 11, the Bible says that, or 12, the Bible says when God came, he said, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He said, and then God now began to differentiate in the prophetic ministry. He said, if there is any prophet amongst you, I am the one who reveals myself to him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. That, that, that made Moses different from other prophetic grace. That's what separates me from other pastors of this commission. Pioneers are not the same as associates or supporting pastors. Hallelujah. So number one is what? Honor. Honor. Number two is also sowing strategic seeds. Strategic what? In Genesis 27, the Bible says, and Isaac said, called Esau his son, and said, give me venison, that which I love. It means special or set aside offerings. You must give your fathers special set aside. That is why in this church, we have decided you will celebrate me in December, Christmas. You will celebrate me on my birthday and celebrate me on the Founders Day. You don't say this and keep quiet. You add it to your yearly plan so that any money you get, you set some aside. Hallelujah. You set some aside. Am I teaching this morning? You set some aside. You don't wait when the time comes, then you now begin to talk about how you feel. If you prepare, I, I can point to, give me 10 people and I will show you that the seven who have succeeded is because they prepared. It was not spontaneous. Success is not accidental. You must prepare for it. So strategic seeds. Plan with them in your mind. Don't spend every money you get on your own. See David. He was bragging. I will fight Goliath. But listen to his statement. The God who gave me the victory over the lion and the bear. He was not shifting the battle to God. And God said, oh, look at how this boy is bragging about me. I will fight. I will fight. I will fight. Honor, reverence, respect. And sow seeds. Strategic seeds. Some of us, it could be prayer. Dedicate one hour of your time every day to pray for me. It's a seed. Say it's a word. Dedicate portions of your income. Portions of your income. Decide this month I'm taking care of his credit. I'm taking care of his DSTVB. I'm taking care of his phone bills. I'm taking care of this. Decide. Meet strategic needs. Don't wait till you are okay. Because even when you are complaining you are not okay. You've been going and coming. How have you done that? Why wouldn't you engage your ladder so it takes you up? How many have I given you? Two. 
Finally, number three. Today I'm dealing with the three, three, three. The supernatural. I'm in person. Number one, walk in honor, walk in reverence. Number two, give, so strategic seeds. Serve. Serve him strategically. Go to him. Find out. Some of you, you don't need to hear. If you listen to me talk a lot, you may know the things that are a priority in my life. Trust God to meet it. And finally, make my interest your interest and God will elevate you. The things that interest me things that interest me. When you talk to me, like I said, you will know what is a priority to me. Plan with it. It will shock you how God will give you the grace. Don't be quick in saying it. Just plan quietly. Because God knows your heart. Because sometimes when you say it and it's not coming, it looks like you talk too much. Plan. My brothers and sisters, when you follow these protocols I have shared with you, you will fulfill your destiny. It doesn't matter where you are hiding. The Father will stand and declare your manifestation. Hallelujah. When the prophet had instructed that the lost table be prepared, he didn't even know who was going to sit on the throne. Thank God for your lives. Thank God for this anniversary celebrations. Thank God for how far he has brought us. I want you, my brothers and sisters, like the Bible says, he that has an ear. You will notice that in these three days, I have not talked about COVID-19. COVID-19 came to meet our lives. It shouldn't disrupt us. We must get what is important first. Then we will have the level head to deal with the problems that has confronted us. That is why in these three days, I have not talked about it. Because we need to do this. This is our life. I want you to pray shortly that God, I receive the strength and the grace to walk in your expectations of me. Talk to God one minute. In the name of Jesus. I receive the strength. I receive your strength. I receive the grace. That which made Jesus to set his face like a flint. Lord, I receive that grace. Lord, I receive that strength. Lord, I receive that ability. In the name of Jesus. I receive that ability. I receive that ability. I receive that ability. In the mighty name of Jesus. I receive that ability. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray. Pray, pray also with me. That by the grace of God, any mindset that has hindered you from benefiting from your father, God will deliver you from that mindset. Pray that prayer shortly. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Deliverance. Oh Lord, lifestyle, mindsets that have hindered me, that have prevented us from benefiting from our benefactor, from our blessing from our agent and custodian of greatness. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, show us your glory. Show us your glory. 
In Jesus' mighty name. Let's begin to thank God. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless and honor him. Adore him. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the adoration. We give you all the adoration. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. 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 We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' mighty name.